The Spur of the Moment podcast is proudly presented by Shane Daigie, Realtor of Always Here Properties. Selling your home, buying your home, first-time buyers, investors, and seasoned home buyers. Call or text 512-540-1626, and I'll be glad to help with all of your real estate needs. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Spur of the Moment podcast. I'm your host, Shane Daigie. And I'm your co-host, Drew Daigie. Welcome to episode 148 of Spur of the Moment. Yeah, coming straight from the Simon Air Studios in the heart of Texas, the Spurs met with the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix, and they actually played pretty well for just the talent differential between two teams, but uh, the Phoenix Suns ended up clinching their playoff spot in the Spurs lost another one by a score of 115-94. to 94. Not always bad, though. You saw a lot of uh, good things from players and, uh, you know, pretty encouraging outing against one of the teams that a lot of people think might win the NBA championship. Drew, what are your thoughts about this Phoenix Suns team, and then what are your thoughts about the Spurs in this game? Yeah, I thought this was a great game, especially including that the Suns started Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker. And the Spurs were without... Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, Zach Collins, Jeremy Sohan, and the list goes on. So we definitely had a good game there. One of our worst starting fives of the year. We made it work. So I think we played good. I mean, we played all right defense. I like to see Malachi Branham and Trey Jones go up there with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Obviously not as good, but I think we played pretty well. Yeah, and so when you see that, one of the things I'm noticing as the season runs on, and you know guys are getting more days rest and – yeah, uh, you know, just not the minutes they have earlier, but that gives the opportunity for other guys to develop. And you're getting to see Sandro Mamakelashvili get a chance, Julian Champagne get a chance, Trey Jones get a full chance with his minutes, Malachi Branham get a chance, Blake Wesley get a chance. A lot of these guys are getting opportunities that they may not get otherwise, uh, a chance to so- showcase their talent and see where they are in the NBA. So. We're going to move on to our Greg Popovich interview, and uh, this was post-game after the uh, Suns game. Down to nine guys. Uh, proud of how they finished? Uh, yeah, it's, it's fun coaching. Uh, obviously, it was going to be a tough tough night for them, but uh, their competitiveness was great. And they got better after the first quarter. We were you know, pretty poor. I think we were intimidated. But after that... Uh, Played very competitively, uh, executed pretty damn well uh, against a, a very good basketball team. So I was I was happy for him. I thought they did a good job. Phoenix obviously has a lot of star power, uh, but they're, they haven't been together long. Do they look like a team to you? Great, they can maybe put together a championship. Right? Well, you know, with yeah. with uh, Chris uh, being the point. Uh, along with veterans like Book and, and KD, uh, they can get it together because he's he's a great leader. KD and, and Book know what it takes. You know, Monty and his staff do a great job. So uh, they'd probably like to have a few more games to get a rhythm down, uh, but they can still get it done uh, without a doubt. All right, so Pop talking about the, just the quality of the Phoenix Suns, like Drew and I mentioned earlier, but. Uh, Anyway, 
Let's move on to our tankathon segment. Again, the Spurs are sitting third overall, third worst record, so we'd like to do a tankathon to see where we might end up with the draft. So let's see what tonight leaves us as. Uh oh! We hit a jackpot tonight. Drew, do you want to tell the audience who we landed on and what pick we landed on? Yeah, so we landed on pig number one, and I'm sure everybody already knows who we're going to take Victor Wimbenyana. The center from France. Yep, standing at seven foot four and considered the unicorn or an alien by many. But uh, yeah. you know, Vic Webinyama is really, uh, yeah. His Vic, highlights are crazy. He, is crazy. he shot a three, missed it, got his own rebound, dunked it. Yeah, that was crazy. So he just does a lot of things that can influence and impact the course of a game. I did have a conversation with Drew off the show last night. We were discussing Victor Webanyama, and I was just—I'm a better. I like to bet on on sports and games and whatnot. But uh, one of the things I found interesting about our draft lottery odds is our odds actually are the highest for pick number five right now. Yeah, but but yeah, what? I don't think that's going to happen. Well, you don't think that's going to happen, but I'm saying. If I were a betting man and I had to throw money down on what the odds are of getting, would you rather take me put the money on the number one pick or the five pick? I'd put my money on the number five pick just based on the percentages. Now, with that being said, I'm just saying that to uh, temper expectations for fans. But this episode, we did get Vic. And if that's the case, I think the city of San Antonio is going to be partying for a long, long time. And there's the cornerstone of your franchise. How many times do you think we've actually gotten Vic on this spin? It's it's, it's been like ten times, maybe uh, less than I that. Know, like I think less. Six. Yeah, it's more rare than I was expecting, yeah. honestly. Yeah. But today we got him, and uh, if that happens, you know that changes the whole trajectory. So this is a successful takeathon as far as that number one pick. But I just want to. Uh, you know, monitor expectations for the audience to know that that is definitely not a sure thing, but today it was. All right, let's get to our top two, bottom two. Drew, who were your top two? Yeah, for my top two in this contest, I went with Trey Jones with a 20-point game with nine assists, shot seven of 12 from the field, and two of three from the three-point line in 29 minutes. A good game from Trey Jones. Starting to get that rhythm back from the beginning of the season. We all know he was averaging about 15 points and 6 assists. He's getting that back. And he's been the the number one option on these last couple games with these injuries. So, he's my number one. My number two on the top two, Malachi Branham. Just a great season. He's had 21 points, 3 rebounds. He shot 8 of 17 from the field and 3 of 7 from the 3-point line. Really developed a lot better than I thought, quicker than I thought. So he's my number two on the top two. Yeah, and I, I actually I had Malachi as my number one, just for being the team's leading scorer and knocking down three threes. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Drew. He's really stood out more than I expected. And I think uh, out of our draft picks, we have both Malachi and uh, Sohan that are going to be solid NBA players for a really long time. The other one. We'll talk about here in a second. My number two I had with uh, Trey Jones. 20 points, 9 assists, 3 boards, effective shooting percentage. And quite honestly, I didn't pick Trey as my player to go off in the previous episode just because I thought, man, matching up with Chris Paul and kind of like Popovich said, maybe being intimidated a little bit because Chris Paul is one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. And uh, But he definitely wasn't intimidated and had a good night himself. So 
Uh, Trey Jones rounds out my top two. All right, the bottom two, Drew. Yeah, so for my number one on the bottom two, I'm going to go with Blake Leslie in this one. Really just not a good game. Had zero points, shooting 0 of 8 from the field and 0 of 1 from the three-point line, shooting 30% from the field, which if they counted that, that would be the worst. 30% is really bad. Right now, Killian Hayes is shooting 37%, which is not good at all. So my number one on the bottom two is Blake Wesley. My number two on the bottom two, I went with Doug McDermott. Another rough night from him. Had a good night against the Kings, but he should, he had two points while shooting one of seven from the field and 0 of four from the three-point line in six minutes. I thought he was going to do good after that 30-point night. Absolutely did not. So he's my number two. All right, well, this is one of those weird episodes that we have the same ones. Uh, Blake Wesley was my number one and Doug McDermott was number two. Obviously, Doug McDermott, a long NBA pedigree, a shooter off the bench. He just didn't have a good night that night. But I want to dive a little bit into Blake Wesley. I did just now. Did you? What did you talk about? I Sorry, our I, producer came in, yeah. our producer Simon the Cat. Yeah, so I talked about him shooting 30% for the field, which if he played enough games, I'll be by far the worst. Because the worst field goal percentage right now is Killian Hayes, who's shooting 37. So if he would have played enough games, he'd be the worst by far. Yeah, well... I'm going to just go on record, and I, I you can go back to our previous episodes in the Summer League when Blake Wesley first started off, but I'm going to just go ahead and say that I don't think uh, Blake Wesley is going to be a productive NBA player for the San Antonio Spurs in the future. And I used to say, oh, it's too young to notice, but I've got enough evidence. and I've watched him play enough that I just think he has too many uh, rough edges that need to be smoothed out to be a solid NBA player. I hope it does happen for it, and I hope I'm wrong. But after watching Blake Wesley over and over and in the summer, some people were excited because he's fast. He's super fast. He's one of the faster NBA players in the league. But with that comes recklessness, comes poor shot selection. And uh, I unfortunately think Blake Wesley's uh, tenure with the Spurs is, I hate to write a guy off this young, but uh, it's not looking promising in my eyes. Um, so that's our Blake Wesley, Drew. You know, we Drew and I talked about him and got into a lot of conversations because we wanted all three picks to happen. But really, honestly, if you have three first-round draft picks and two out of those three are right. success stories, you're doing well. Yeah. It's it's not every pick is going to hit, and we have to understand that, especially like Sandwich, Luca Sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Not it, but in that same draft, Keldon, who yeah. was drafted later, hit. You know, so not every pick is going to hit. Sometimes the NBA, the bright lights, big city is just a little different ball game for these guys. But, uh, you know, like I said, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm more confident in saying that than I ever was even last summer when I watched it play and I had questions. So um, we'll see how that develops. It'll be an interesting storyline to watch the rest of this year and then next year. Um, but that's our top two, bottom two. All right. Now it's time for the question of the day. And I'm going to... First, I'm going to ask the question from, from the member of our audience, and I'm going to turn it over to Drew to answer it first, and then I'll follow up. This question comes from Elon in Austin, Texas. Elon's question was, Hi, guys. I love the father-son show. It's really cool. I'm so stoked to watch the Spurs play in the Moody Sitter in Austin later this week. Do you think this will happen next year or beyond? Drew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so is he asking, like, do we think we'll have games next year too? Yeah, in Austin, yes. Yes, I think we will have the same amount of games next year. I think we'd have two. 
But I don't think we're going to originally move there. I don't think we're going to, like, play all of our games in Austin. I don't think that will ever happen. I know it's try it might happen very late in the future, but I don't think it's going to happen. But I do think we'll play two more games next year. What is your stance on that? So I actually am going to one-up you on that. I think we're going to play three games in Austin next year. And the reason why is I think we'll still play Mexico City. But I think that Alamo Dome game, because that was the 50th anniversary celebration, I don't think we play in the Alamo Dome next next year. I think that game gets moved to Austin, giving us three there. Now, with that being said, we know their arena seats less people than the Spurs arena, so that's in mind, and everybody is, is fully aware that 3,000 more tickets equals more profit for the San Antonio Spurs. So we know that's that's an issue. Um, but I do I can foresee them playing three games there next year. And, uh, you know, even possibly four if the NBA decides to choose somebody else from Mexico City. But I don't think it's going to be anything permanent. So y'all can calm down, Spurs fans. Um, even though I <laughs> I personally wouldn't mind if they move there. But but I know a lot of Spurs fans are up in arm on that. But I don't think we're going to see any more than four games in Austin per year just because the league rolls of four games being at another arena. And if it is four, that's fine. They can it just creates a bigger fan base in one of the biggest growing populations in the U.S. in that San Antonio to Austin area. Um, and for those of you that know and have listened to the show for a while, I'm in real estate, so I keep a pretty good monitor of that. And there's a lot of people moving there, and uh, it's a hot spot. But if you can expand that and just make it regionally, that's both within a 60-mile radius of each other, and it'd be a win-win for the Spurs and give a little more revenue to the to the fan base. All right. Thanks for your question, Elon. All right, now it's time for this day in Spurs history, Drew. Yeah, so we're going to go way, way back to the first ever game played on April 4th, actually, where the San Antonio Spurs hosted the team that we played today, the Phoenix Suns, in 1978, where it was a pretty even matchup. The Suns' record was a 48-31 and record, and the Spurs' record was a 51-28. and But can you guess who won this game? The Sun Spurs, um, that was in what year? 1978. Uh, I'm going to say Spurs. Yes, the Spurs pulled away with the win, 125-119. to 119. The leading scorer in this contest was Larry Kinn, who had 29 points, 14 rebounds, and 5 assists. Wow. We had George Gervin, who had a great all-around night, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. We had... Kobe Dietrich, who had 18 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. And coming off the bench, we had Mark Mark Olberding with 12 and James Siles with 12. And a really good game on this day in Spurs history, the same team we played today. That's awesome. That's a lot of points in the the late 70s. And you'll see what I'm talking about uh, with my next next this day in Spurs history on a a future episode about the polar opposite of that. That's a sneak peek. All right. Thank you for that one. That was fun watching Gervin and Dietrich and Olberning and Silas and all those old school Spurs uh, play and get a big dub over the Suns. All right. Now it's time to preview our upcoming game. And this one, like Elon's question earlier, this one's going to be played in Austin at the Moody Center. And the Spurs are going to play the now, all of a sudden, within the past month, tanking Portland Trailblazers. Drew, what can you tell us about Portland? Ooh, these Trailblazers are tanking. <laughs> They're tanking. I mean, shitting all five of their starters. And I think that the Spurs are actually going to get this game. There's nothing really to talk about. I was going to talk about Shaden Sharp 
where he might have a good game, but he's sitting out. I mean, there is Drew Eubanks. He'll be excited, exciting to watch. The Spurs fan base knows him. He pl- had a couple good years, good years here. And but, he played in Austin. Yeah, he played Austin in Austin Spurs. Spurs. Yep. So don't know him, but I think I'm gonna have to uh, go with the Spurs to win this. But what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, I think the Spurs are gonna win, and if you. Followed back a few episodes previously, we talked about this might be their last one of the year. I think the Spurs are going to win, and uh, I've got us winning by seven, and my player to go off is going to be Dominic Barlow. I think Barlow's going to have a good night. I just feel a double-double coming. I may not be a high-scoring double-double, but I feel like a 12-10 and 10 type night for, for Barlow. What about you, Drew? Yeah, so I'm going to go with Kelvin Johnson. I think he's going to play this game, and he will be my player to go off. And give me the San Antonio Spurs to win by 10. All right. Spurs by 10. Drew's got it. Everybody stay tuned in Austin to watch the Spurs play the Portland Trailblazers. Should be a fun night. I know the Austin fans, everybody that I know there is really excited to watch this game. And uh, pack, the, pack the movie sitter and just give a bigger presence across the state for the Spurs. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Spur of the Moment podcast. Drew, would you take us home, please? Thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, go Spurs, go!